Shelly, you know how much I love programmatic advertising for recruitment. It saves so much time and effort in trying to figure out where I can get maximum exposure and value in advertising my jobs. Yeah, for sure. It is a game changer. And you know who I love too is AppCast. They are the leading programmatic job advertising platform that helps you reach the right candidates fast. Definitely. AppCast advanced targeting and real-time optimization technologies make sure that your job ads are seen by the most qualified candidate. Plus, they have a team of experts that's always there to support you and make sure you get the best results. It's so true, right? AppCast has just got the nicest people on staff. They're just a pleasure to work with. And tracking your job's performance in real time is the other big plus. Being able to see exactly what's happening, what's driving the applications, where they're coming for. And at the end of the day, it's about making hires. And where else can you expand your reach across 30,000 sites? Your candidates are everywhere online with AppCast. Your jobs will be too. So check them out at appcast.io. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, you're looking great. Thank you, Serge. As always. Thank you. Yeah. That's very nice of you. You're also looking very refreshed. I think you had a pretty fun weekend. I had Last a great week? weekend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, great weekend in the mountains. There's something about the fresh air. But now I am back in Calgary in my basement to see you. And I'll say one of our first guests, I think, going yes. back in history. Definitely one of our favorite guests. So Shelly, I'll hand it Absolutely. over to you. Thank um, you, Serge. Yes, tell me where to I... send a check to. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joining us on this episode is David Bernstein. He is the EVP of Corporate Development and Strategy over at PivotCX.io. David, welcome back, and thanks for coming back. Oh, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It was nice to see you in real life as well when we were all gathered in Las Vegas for HR Tech. Yeah. For the audience, tell them who is David Bernstein and talk a bit about your journey in HR tech. Yeah, that could be a book, but I'll keep it short. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to bore anybody. I guess the short of it is I've been on both sides of the desk. I've been a practitioner as well as on the vendor side, and it gives me a pretty unique perspective. Started my recruiting career at a HR technology company as a recruiter, but really moved more into and really where my passion has been ever since is around the intersection of people, process, and technology to create amazing business outcomes. And whether that's been on the corporate side, I've led large recruiting teams. I've mm-hmm. led a very large-scale HR technology implementation as well. My last gig in corporate was to spend three years on the road implementing a global HR payroll system for a 60,000-person manufacturing company. But what I found that was really exciting for me was to go back onto the vendor side and really understand what do we need? What can really move the needle? What really works to kind of create great business outcomes for HR teams, specifically in recruiting, which is where I started. So here I am. 
get to talk a little bit about what I'm seeing in the market and what's going on and, and what makes it matter. So <laughs> I, I, I love it. Can I share that? So Mr. California, as your yeah. friends call you, or maybe don't, <laughs> it's what I call you. You've got the California vibe. You're just, there you go. just chill. Yeah. You're very laid back. I love it. But tell us, you recently made the move to Pivot CX, or maybe not recently, but the last year. So tell us more about Pivot CS. What problem are you trying to solve there? I'll jump into that. If you oblige me a moment, I'll step a half back. I'll segue into the, uh, <laughs> what Pivot CX is doing. But I think one of the pain points that you're talking about that is important for vendors to understand is not just what it takes to do the job every day from doing the job, but also the environment or the context that recruiting <laughs> operates in especially where we are today, right? I don't think there's a person on the planet that could argue that the pandemic and everything has created a brand new context that nobody has a playbook for. And now you throw in all this economic uncertainty and the R word and other things and the L word for layoffs and whatever else. It's just a very unique place to be. It's not just the toils and troubles it takes to do the work itself of being recruiting, but the environment we do the recruiting again, which is also hamstrung with resources and too many systems. It's a gestalt. Uh, I always <laughs> love that word, right? That's a $10 word. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. It's not just enough to be excellent at all the things that recruiters do, but it also you have to be excellent at maneuvering and working in that kind of an environment. So what have I learned after 27 years? <laughs> yeah, tell us. Well, we all met, I think. I had recently come off of working with Alio and then was really understanding as well with the candidate journey throughout my career has been a strong understanding that communication is really at the core of success, but that's what's hard. Recruiters spend inordinate amount of time chasing candidates to try to talk to them only to find out some vast majority of them are really not the candidates they want to deal with today. And therein lies a major challenge. And if we look at what's going on in the world right now, the talent scarcity, I'll use that phrase, as if it cropped out overnight, right? As if suddenly it just happened. We woke up one day, the pandemic was done, and suddenly we're short of labor. Obviously, this has been a growing concern. And then the pandemic forced a bunch of things that a lot of early retirements, yeah. a lot of women took a different role in their family and exited the workforce. People learned that they could get gig jobs that covered just as much of pay as they were getting when they were flipping burgers. The workforce dynamics have changed and that genie is out of the bottle. You can't put it back in. And so you've got a world where you've got fewer people available for all the work, let alone the skills that you need for the people to do those jobs. So it's just compounded, right? I was reading somewhere that the only country that's potentially birthing enough people for the future workforce is the UK, which is weird since of Brexit. Really? Uh, globally speaking, yeah, we're in a world where there's just not enough people coming into the workforce. So it's a perpetual problem. Mm -hmm. And if you go back to them, what does that really mean? What are the impacts? When you put pressure on something, you can create diamonds or you can break things apart. But the pressure on this ecosystem is going to force a lot of things that we're not prepared yet. And communication is that last piece that we've really been dabbling in, there's all this kind of focus on automation, chatbots and all yeah. are certainly, but they're part of a strategy. Anyway, this is a long answer to your short question. Pivot CX is an all-in-one communications hub or solution that makes it super simple for you to engage through multiple channels to meet your candidates where they are on the tools and the way that they want to be met. What we're solving for though is speed. 
it's momentum, it's acceleration, that's velocity in a world where if you're slow, you lose out because candidates don't wait around. The Sherm stats were like 90 plus percent of candidates will take the first job offered. They don't wait around. They're most candidates are risk averse. They're not going to see if there's a better offer coming down the road. And so if you're not that first to make the offer, which means you have to be first in a lot of things. But what we're really solving for is the fundamental problem that slows the process down from the very outset. Recruiters are spending inordinate amount of time trying to reach candidates versus talking to candidates. It's simple, right? Simple to how, say. So like, how do you, you do it differently? Or how is Pivot CX driving the ability to create that speed and momentum differently than, say, other firms in a very similar space? Again, and a little bit of a side answer to start with, but if you want to know what's going to be hot in HR and TA next year, look what's hot in sales and marketing and other business technologies this year. Because HR is typically learning lessons from other parts of the business. We've learned a lot from CRMs. We've learned a lot from marketing automation. We've learned a lot from ticketing solutions. But the piece that we bring to the table that is really novel, Serge, is learning how does a contact center deal with volumes of people in a day? where it's not aspirational to touch and engage with everybody. It's a requirement every day, right? <laughs> For most recruiting teams aspire to do this. And not only that, in a context center, you're doing that engagement with a focus on speed and a real focus on keeping the process. What are the tools and techniques that they use in a contact center, for example? Vocabulary that is probably unfamiliar to most HR or TA people, but yeah. things like unified communications and omni-channel capabilities, not phrasings that HR people are oriented yeah. to. So that's why I'd say at the beginning, I said to you, we're an all-in-one communications hub. Okay. Because again, text, voice, and video, email, and more and more coming. How do you fluidly move around these channels instead of trying to chase people down to get them into a conversation to start with. Right? Yeah. Well, you covered a lot there, and I, that gives me a way broader perspective of what Pivot CX does. To go to the start of your first answer, we talk about talent scarcity, labor mismatch. <laughs> These are teams that we're going to see for the next 20 years as we see more automation. I'm assuming this solution is for high volume recruiting contact centers that you mentioned. Am I correct in that assumption? Did I understand that right? I would tell you that there's ROI in this for everybody who feels like they're going to lose out if they don't move quickly. Okay. So I do have a customer who had to hire three virtual reality developers. And every time they would go to make an offer that those candidates were already being offered somewhere else. They just were not moving quick enough. And part of that was the speed at which they could get to the initial engagement, right? Yeah. I'm old enough to remember. Are either of you old enough to remember when you said to candidates, can you please fax me your resume? Oh, Shelly. Yeah. Shelly. <laughs> Shelly is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And even just the fax machine and going from having to mail in your resume or physically come and drop it off, the ability to fax your resume accelerated how quickly we had to work in talent acquisition. That was the beginning. That's nothing compared to now. But we also had no technology. Well, Other did you have to stop like, like churning the butter and like washing the laundry by hand? Did that interfere yeah. any? No. Yeah. Back to my people soft story. I actually had a team of four people that we'd run print ads every Sunday. Yeah. And then do you remember that curly paper? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the curly paper would shoot out on the floor. And anyway, Monday morning we were coming and scooping that up and 
flattening it, <laughs> scanning it, and parsing it into PeopleSoft and all that other stuff. Oh uh, today, God. if you said to a candidate, can you please fax me your resume, what would happen? Uh, you look at never you get like, it. Right. Yeah. And they look at yeah. you like you're from Mars and it would slow the process down. Yeah. My point in reliving that story with you all is what was once an accelerator to communications now inhibits the process. Where we're at is at a crossroads moment because people still are tending to believe that the communication tools that they're using are the fastest way to expedite the process. But if we look at the maturity of the mobile phone market, right? When mobile phones first came out, we in recruiting were so excited, right? You could reach somebody. They didn't have to be at their desk or at the home. Yeah. You could reach them anywhere. If you flash forward the five, 10 years, we tend to use our contact list much more pervasively. Telcos are using caller IDs. You get a call and you don't recognize it. What's going to happen? You don't know. That's right. The vast yeah. majority, right? This is their mm-hmm. consumer behavior. So it goes to voicemail, probably doesn't get heard. Well, maybe it gets heard at the end of the day, but if at all which then triggers a recruiter to want to send an email, which also might get read later in the day, but certainly not the immediacy. Things have changed. What used to be a great way to reach candidates has now turned into a slower way. You need a variety of channels to be able to hit candidates up, but one of the fastest ways is through texting. What we often say, texting is a beginning, right? Hey, Serge, do you have a minute? Is this a good time to talk? And then if you could jump to voice or video right from that kind of engagement, Mm-hmm. And the fact that if I text you, even if you're at work, you still might pull up your phone and look under the table and, yeah. and see you, right? Everybody who's listening here today, if you look at your inbox, what's the percentage of unread emails do you have compared to the percentage of unread text messages that you have? I'll tell you right now, and Shelly, <laughs> do this exercise, all right? So I'm just yeah. going to open up. I have one text message not read. Emails. One I don't know if you can see on the screen, but it's 28,700 emails not open. But you'll get to it by the end of the day. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll get never, to it. They'll never be opened. So yeah. imagine this as the front end of your process, right? I don't have to tell you guys are recruiters too. So what does that do to the cycle? If you're spending a huge amount of time up front, just trying to get a hold of people. And then as we know, a large number of those people are not the ones we want to route and be part of the slate for yeah. the hiring manager. Do you know what I can't understand? What you're saying makes complete sense. Okay. Uh, I have zero unread text messages and maybe 12 or 14 unread emails. But why is it that in recruitment, you know, I'm speaking to some talent acquisition teams that are still using email or expecting the job seeker to communicate to you back through the platform? Why is there such a slow adoption of this in the recruiting world? Texting to candidates. Like, I don't get it. We could list a lot of things that we don't get. Why is candidate re-engagement still a question mark? There are some things that are very seemingly business sensical. I have at least one theory, right? Recruiters are humans, just like the rest of us. Change is hard. Yeah, It is hard to adopt new patterns and ways. I think the challenge with texting has been till now is that using your own phone and your own phone number, I mean, I mean who wants to really do that? Do you want to really carry two phones? What we provide is a simple way that gets over some of these challenges, right? It doesn't require a recruiter to have their own phone number. Mm. They're able to text from a keyboard or from their mobile handset. They're able to have automated texting as well as person to person and all over one unified phone number. And you can have a team as well. You don't have to have one phone number per recruiter. A bunch of these kind of challenges that have impeded the ability to really universally adopt it 
Uh, I think that there's some other things in there too. Certainly every country has a little bit more sensitivity these days to texting people. Used to be, remember, email was, don't email unless you have permission, right? (laughs) Well, we're at that stage with texting as where we used to be with email. There's a sensitivity to not spamming someone's text inbox, for example, as well. There's a combination of things that make sense, Ellie. Yeah. What do you think? Does that hang or? Yeah, it does. It does. And I think the next challenge though is getting everything to like all communications into one central spot, right? If you've got say 300 open positions, what you want is a single place for all the communications to come from and back into, because what you mentioned earlier, when we talk about, let's take a page for what's happening in customer relationship management software. Let's take a page out of what Salesforce does, where every email, text, everything is captured and stored because it is and should be property of the organization. Mm-hmm. Privacy is then protected because you're right. My suspicion as to why there hasn't been a huge uptake on texting is yes, like you say, I'm not going to use my personal phone. Yeah. Like, why would I? Well, why can you imagine, I- Shelly, as a female? There's even a bigger risk. And I think we've all heard the stories. I don't even want to go there. Oh, my God. So I I understand the reluctance. But I think more importantly is a lot of companies are still using these outdated applicant tracking systems that are built on technology from 1989 or something. But they just don't support it. Yeah. Am I right? I think you both nailed it. The hesitation for a lot of people to leverage their personal devices to do text communication, but also the TA leaders not understanding there is multiple solutions out there where you're dealing with a system that both integrates with your ATS and signs a specific number that's leveraged in this particular case. You both nailed it. That is the challenge right now. But I'm curious. I want to go a little bit further into this. We talk about email messaging. We talk about text messaging. And the systems give you the capability to do this, right? They're out there. Obviously, with the advent of chat GPT, we're seeing a lot of recruiters leveraging it for their messages. Doesn't mean it's going to be good or bad, but advice, all right? It's great to have the platforms to send communication, but if your communication is bad by text, email, or video, how do you fix that? Do you Mm. have a solution to this problem? It's as much what you say as what platform you say it on. What you say, when you say it, how you say it, how often. Yes, Yes. there's a whole package of things. In fact, Kevin Grossman over the talent board One of the major findings for candidate experience is he talks about dials that the employer owns, and he touches on all of these kinds of aspects. Again, what you say, when you say it, how frequently, who says it, right? I think this talent scarcity is going to be the pressure cooker on us in the ecosystem that's going to force a lot of evolution. When you start to think about, well, if the talent's scarce, how do I keep the people I've got? How do I look like an attractive employer, right? Now you start thinking about things like, my office strategy, remote work, and you start thinking about what other benefits and financial wellness and other things are popping up. We've been hearing more and more over the last couple of years, especially folks like Josh Burson and others talking about the increase in importance on the employee experience. Experience matters is the bottom line. I'm trying to put out my thesis here, see if you're buying what I'm selling, but this idea- I'm buying everything. Yeah. Yeah. Cash in hand. Well, that and the other thing, again, challenge me on this, but I think that as consumers, we go through life 
and we're seeing how easy things are elsewhere. Why is it that I know that my Amazon driver is 10 stops away? In fact, I literally just had a friend of mine who her mother went into surgery and they mm -hmm. were texting her status as she moved from pre-op into the OR and how things were going, right? We're getting acclimated to seeing this everywhere. And then recruiting comes along and it's like 1980, maybe. <laughs> the rest of the world is moving forward faster on some of these things. I could go on and on. I just think that, I, that there's such an opportunity around this. So David, talk a bit more about a communication strategy, because I know having, like you, run talent acquisition teams, obviously probably one of the highest demand skills, regardless of whether you're in recruiting, sales, marketing, it doesn't matter what job you're in. Do you need a specialist on staff that can set the communication strategy? Are you really expecting TA leaders to set that? Because that's a very big ask. Like, I get it. The ability to have a concise, sharp message that gets your point across, whether you're using text, voice, video, email, doesn't matter. But what talent acquisition seems to do so poorly is to actually have a strategy behind it. It, it seems to be a missing skill set. So Shelly, would you include converting a job description into a job post as part of that lack of understanding on communication strategy? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Honestly, for as long as I've been in recruitment, uh -huh. which is more than 25 years, either you were never taught or never trained how to do that. It's almost laughable. Yes, I would absolutely include the ability to turn it into something appealing <laughs> that actually entices somebody to think, okay, that sounds like something I'd want to do. I'll see if I can fish it out after the podcast here. The company OpenAI that creates ChatGPT recently posted for a recruiting operations person. They mm -hmm. use Greenhouse. It read like a job description, didn't read like a job post, didn't read like an advertisement. It was really funny how they didn't leverage their own tech to enhance, yes. <laughs> turning it into a creative piece of communication to woo someone to want to join your team, right? And so, Shelly, to your question there, what does that mean then for us, especially in recruiting, when we know that this is not a skill that most of the teams have, right? You can go to school to get a marketing degree. You can go to school to get a finance degree. You can even get some amount of undergrad HR degree. But who gets a degree in recruiting? And all the things that you're suddenly expected to be expert at, which is branding, recruitment, marketing, labor market intelligence, sales, negotiations, the list goes on and on. Think of all the things that we ask recruiters to be excellent at. It's OJT, right? Where everybody's mm -hmm. kind of trying to learn on the job if they can. Yeah, it's a bit of a hot mess. I'm finding some great successes in working with consultants who really want to understand the recruiting experience. I purposely said it that way, not a candidate experience, a recruiting experience, which includes candidates, recruiters, and hiring managers. But how do you create an experience that's good for everybody? And communications, my team jokes with me because I state some things that are very obvious, but not always thought about. But you know, to build a relationship, you talk to people, but the fundamental thing in building a relationship is that you're listening. And this is why you can't build a relationship with a chatbot. <laughs> Yeah. Right. You can get work done and you can leverage automation to hasten and do some things that kind of ease the burden of the volume. But relationships happen when people talk and listen and understand and then they feel validated. Maybe in the future, there will be a chatbot that can really understand Shelly's future desires, what she wants to be when she grows up. But 
that's far from where we are today with automation and conversational and generative AI stuff. We are still a human-based business activity, right? Yeah. People-centric. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox for a little bit, but... <laughs> no, we always will be very human-centered in the type of role that we're doing. And I agree, automation is here to actually help us. Unfortunately, a lot of organizations don't do it correctly and they over-rely on the automation to do the whole process and eliminating that person. I'm really curious. One of the things with NEHR tech, what I hate is implementation. Tell me a little bit about Pivot CX, what that implementation looks like. And a second part to that question is, if you're a recruitment practitioner leader, what advice would you give to them when it comes to implementing a new HR tech solution into their tech stack? I'll start with the second question first, because the general advice is as much of a technophile and, and lover of technology as I am, I actually use a phrase and maybe even said on the last time I joined you guys, mindset, skill set, tool set. Uh, I'm a big believer that you have to have a framework. You have to have a vision in your mind of what you're trying to achieve. And then you build the skills or acquire the skills that you need to go along with that. And the tools then become the third piece. It's always last. And I think that the challenge is that a lot of people go out and buy shiny new things and end up with a collection of tools, any one of which probably has some ROI as a standalone, but you try to put them together in a soup and try to make it all work together. And it's just a big hodgepodge. Experience is the new phrase. I think talent scarcity forces us to think about how are we going to take care of the experience of everybody involved? If you have a mindset that this is a challenge, then you go look to acquire the skills either by yourself or how you bring them onto your teams. And then you look at what tools you can give them to enable those people. And I've led large-scale technology implementations, but it's always been about what do we need to do first as a business? And then what skills do we yeah. need to have? And then what are the tools we want to give these people to do their job? There's nothing that you said there that is inaccurate. I think part of the challenge for a lot of practitioners or managers is they don't understand the complexity and they're sold in the sense that this is an easy implementation, won't take long. And suddenly you're six, eight, 12 months, and the product is still not implemented. What does your implementation look like at Pivot CX? What I've learned over the last 27 years, I'll say, right? <laughs> one of the guys on my team likes to say it's a trial by the mile, but it's a cinch by the inch. The journey of a thousand miles starts with a first step. How do you get things started. We typically find that boiling the ocean is really hard to do. It's often what creates elongated implementation cycles, that it's best to pick a small number of challenges, point the solution at trying those and, and work on expanding that over time. Because not only does that kind of give you a chance to see the impacts, but it also helps you manage the change management in bite-sized morsels. Back to the human element here of <laughs> no one really likes to change it, even though they think they should. So change is hard. It's fundamentally hard. In our case, one of the successful techniques we have found is that we can bring people on, ironically, just to mirror their current process, but do it easier, faster using automated messaging, various kind of components for yeah. automated communications. And then we can start talking about, well, how would you fold the human aspects into that as well? But the fact that we aren't a one-trick pony, we're not just a chatbot, we're not just an RPA tool. We have all these elements, human-to-human -human text, voice video, automation. It's knowing for the right challenge and the right kind of audience. You could say high-volume hiring with low complexity, 
is a very different set of use cases when you have high volume hiring for high complexity jobs. Yeah. But starts with small, right? Starts with if you can leverage automation from an integration perspective, we typically actually try to show success without automation. But that said, we have integration with 42 ATSs and 50 some odd HR payroll systems, all the classics and Indeed, Zip and job case, for example, we have a career site tool, landing page, there are all of these kind of intake capabilities are fundamentally part of the way that you get someone into a conversation, right? If you throw a party and no one comes, it's pretty lonely, right? Same thing. We as recruiters, we want to talk to people so we can figure out who we might move on in the process. It's fundamental for us to have an integration conversation with the customer around what tools do you need to get people into the conversation? And then what are the systems record that you want to use to hold your conversations? Two different kinds of integration points. But I can get a customer live in about two weeks or less is okay. what we've seen. Yeah. You want to start adding the ATS integrations, it could add in another week or two. But we've got hundreds of customers who have figured out how to start with us on a low integration point and then move up line. Do you know, I love what you said, David, because I think, well... When you talked about mindset, skill set, and then the tools, because so often it's the other way around. We found this great tool now here, use it. But first of all, I didn't ask for it. <laughs> yes, That's what I think tends to happen is we forgot to go back and talk to the people who are doing this every day and show them, first of all, are they even using the tools that they have available to them? Because many times some of the tools already exist, but they never knew. Right. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate your approach in taking it from the top and having the tool be something that I asked for, solving that problem for me. But you're putting your <laughs> finger on something, Shelly. There's another phrase I use. Uh, it's learned helplessness. Have you heard this phrase before? Learned helplessness. No. Yeah. The idea that you've learned that you have to deal with the problem and that there isn't a way out and it's just the way it is kind of idea. And it comes from a whole school of psychology around it. But the short of it is when you've learned that there's a challenged environment and you can't see a way out and no one's presented you with a way out, you just think that's the way life is. I find that in 90 or more percent of the conversations I'm having with recruiting teams, they had no idea that it actually is a different way to try to engage with candidates in a very cohesive way. My biggest challenge is helping them understand that there is a solution that they might want to just take a few minutes to listen to because mm -hmm. they've thought, well, what do you mean? If I don't cold call people <laughs> and if I don't leave them voicemails and emails, then what do I do? There's no mental picture for what it could be. You know, uh, sure, a chatbot and other automation, well, they might help me manage volumes, but how do I speak and engage with candidates? I guess that's the part where there's still some learning that the, yeah. that the ecosystem we need to help understand. Communication is not simple, right? There's so many different ways that we communicate and what we need to do at each point of communication. Sometimes it's one way, sometimes it's two way. There's a lot to this, but I think most people just say, oh, just going to go pick up the phone and call my candidates today or pelt them on LinkedIn and think that I'm going to get well, some Well, most people think that recruiting is easy, right? That are not doing the role as a lot of people think that are not doing marketing, that marketing is easy. I want to mm -hmm. shift quickly okay. the last question. Oh, tell me. You talked about the noise about HR tech, but we've been seeing the tech layoffs for the last six months, but we're starting to see it hit real hard in HR tech with Workday, Oyster, Eightful, doing layoffs in the last couple of weeks. What's your overall thoughts about what's going on in the HR tech space? 
Yeah. Did we hire too much? Well, I don't know that you can universally answer this, but let's again use the phrase Try. see if you'd agree. See if you'd agree. Established mature companies versus startups. There's a different strategy, different point in time. In fact, I was part of a startup where we overhired in anticipation of growth because of the investors pushing us to grow. We wanted to make sure we had everybody on plane yeah. ready to go as soon as the growth hit. Then when economic situations come up, maybe I should hold on to my spend. Now I've got more people than I think I need. I do think that the companies you mentioned were high-flying darlings that had a whole lot of anticipated growth that has not yet materialized. And so I think that's very different than a mature company like Dell they announced. The PC business is really hurting. People are not buying. You don't need as many people. That's a different kind of layoff. But it's part of a business cycle, right? We've seen this for those of us who, again, have more hair and it's a lot less gray at the time. We, we've seen recessions come and go. It's part yeah. of a business cycle. Layoffs happen. Laying people off before was not in the same context of where we are again with talent scarcity. The phrase I'm hearing now is talent hoarding. Yeah. What do I do? If I let these people go, I'll never get them back. What do I do? There's an understanding that this is a moment in time, but I need to be able to run my business. So is there a way I can weather this? How do I keep the people I got? I don't know if I answered your question there, Serge, but you did. I do think that some of the HR tech teams have overhired for sure? I would agree. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. The term I heard last week was just a market correction. Yeah, I don't know in the U.S. compared to Canada, but I can tell you here in the U.S., we're at a 53-year low. Last week's job report, mm -hmm. tech layoffs are certainly making a lot of noise because of the massiveness of how many people in them. But on the whole, yeah, we added more jobs to the economy. <laughs> here yeah, in the half US. a million. Yeah. So this is a very lopsided kind of moment, but it'll be interesting because I would suspect, make a prognostication here, but... A lot of those people in the tech layoffs are going to become the next entrepreneurs instead of going and get a next job. They have great ideas that will then need to be hired and fill teams. It's kind of like how you have a fire in the forest and eventually it clears out the underbrush. So actually the forest thrives later, but it is pretty devastating when the fire first comes through, right? Yeah. Yeah. I somehow think that anybody leaving Google isn't going to be standing on the unemployment line long. Right? <laughs> Technology ain't going away. Yeah. In tech and on so many different ways. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. So on that note, uh, David, how does someone get a hold of you? Oh, yeah. well, that's super simple. David at pivotcx.io all day long or find me on LinkedIn. If the folks listening in couldn't already tell, I like to talk. <laughs> I love to connect with folks. Even if you're not interested in learning more about our PivotCX solution, I'm always very interested in exploring new ideas and just networking with people in the space. LinkedIn or my email address, both of them. But David, it's great to have a conversation. 27 years of knowledge is something that for all practitioners, we could leverage. So David, thank you so much for coming back on the Recruitment Flex, and we look forward to having you on again. Oh, yeah. you're kind. I appreciate being here. Thank you. Appreciate thank it. you, Certainly David. So thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain -brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.